0: people around here is treated like a god. I mean, how can never find out what he could really do? I don't want this to be the high point of his life. I've seen him, the real sad ones. They sit around the rest of their lives talking about the glory days when they were 17 years old. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god, just for a few moments. The Keeping the Nostalgia Live show is sponsored by The Dunk Collection. The Dunk Collection connects sports-minded individuals to basketball-inspired home products meticulously designed to help combat life's most mundane chores. Dirty clothes on the floor, put a dirty dunk on the door. The dirty dunk is the original over the door basketball hoop laundry hamper designed to make laundry a slam dunk. Do you have a messy office? Try a document dunk. The original trash can basketball stand designed for those who compete in the corporate arena. You're just one shot away from turning your cubicle into the corner office you deserve. Bathtime blues, Make bath time fun with the Scrub-A-Dunk, the original basketball hoop for baby ballers. Attached to the tub and Scrub-A-Dub-Dub. The Dunk Collection, making boring chores a slam dunk. Welcome to the Keeping the Nostalgia Live show. This is a very special edition of uh, uh, Basketball Keeping the Nostalgia Live. If I went through all the honors and awards that... Uh, the gentleman who's going to be on our program today uh, has, you know, uh, has gotten, uh, we wouldn't have time for the interview. So I I basically just have to say a basketball hall of fame member and the legendary Dan Issel. Dan, thanks for taking some busy time, taking some time out of your busy schedule to help keep the nostalgia alive and, and talk about the game of basketball and, and and what it's meant to meant to you.
1: Happy to do it, Billy. I always enjoy talking about the game
0: you know it's it and, and and you know I get starstruck occasionally with some of the the guests that I have on and and I remember as a kid you know uh, having the basketball cards and it just you know and you know growing up in Indianapolis and being a Pacers fan and being able to you know follow you in the paper and everything like that I'm 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 a little starstruck but uh, I I didn't drink too much coffee so uh, we should have some fun <laughs> Good I'm ready <laughs> So uh you grew up. Who introduced you to the game of basketball originally, and was it the first sport that you really enjoyed, or were other sports that you did?
1: Uh, no, uh, my the first sport that, that I uh, in really enjoyed was baseball. I got I got a late start to my athletic career. I grew up on a dairy farm in Missouri and didn't play any organized sports until I was in the sixth grade uh and baseball was my favorite uh, by that time we had moved to uh, a suburb of Chicago i became a huge cubs fan and i grew up thinking i was going to replace ernie banks as a shortstop <laughs> for the chicago cubs and it uh, uh it wasn't uh, until i was in high school and began to grow uh, there aren't too many 6'10" shortstops uh, in major league baseball and so it wasn't until high school that uh Basketball really became my my main and favorite sport.
0: You know, uh, we all have a bucket list, so you probably crop I mean, there's a lot of things that you've probably crossed off your bucket list. But seeing the Cubs win a World Series was probably one of them. You probably enjoyed that, huh? I
1: I, I enjoyed it immensely. The, the long suffering and Cub fan seems to go together. Uh, but uh, uh, all of the years to see them. Uh, win uh, the championship uh, last year uh, made all of those years of suffering worth it for sure. I didn't know if I'd ever see it, but uh, uh, it, it was it was a great experience. At,
0: at what point did you think you did you know that you were going to be better at basketball than baseball?
1: Uh, but probably. Uh, I, I, I was blessed uh, before my junior year, my high school Batavia High School hired uh, a new basketball coach Don Bandersnick, who had been very successful uh downstate Illinois um uh, had had uh, uh, very good teams and very good players and before my junior year he was hired as the head coach of Batavia and uh, really took a great interest in me I'd I'd come in before school and and uh, shoot free throws and and he'd keep me after practice and uh, so it was that, that junior year uh, of high school that uh, that that I started, my talents uh, started to improve and uh, it looked like I might uh, might have a future playing the game of basketball.
0: You know, I always say that everybody that I interviewed, I have kind of like six degrees of separation and my family, my, my six degree of separation from you was my family was originally from. Uh, brea kentucky and of course of course they moved to indiana and you and you know all about what basketball is like especially high school basketball is in the state of indiana what was high school basketball like in the state of illinois give the listeners a kind of an idea of you know was it a one class system at that time were you guys in divisions how did that work out no no
1: it was uh it was a one class system at that time and i don't know if you could put illinois high school basketball on a level with indiana but uh but it's not it's not far off, uh, and and not only was it just one class, but in the state tournament they made all of the smaller schools uh, play in a district tournament, uh, and then once you got to the regionals, once most of those small schools were eliminated in the district tournaments, uh, uh, then then the bigger schools joined in in the regionals, which was. Totally unfair to the to the smaller schools, and uh, both my junior and senior year, uh, Batavia was the last district team to be eliminated in the state tournament. So uh, we we had a pretty good team, but uh, you know there were only about four hundred people in our high school, and and uh, once we got to the regional and then the sectional, I mean we were playing teams in the Chicago area that had. 2,500, 3,000 students in them. So, uh, uh, for a, for a little small school, we had a, we had a pretty good basketball team. Uh,
0: did you uh, brothers and sisters? Did you have a basketball hoop hanging out on the garage?
1: Yeah, um, we we had one. My my sister never played. My uh, younger brother uh, was was pretty good in high school. Uh, and uh, made went to the University of Missouri and made the freshman team uh, as as a walk on. Uh, but that those that that was the days of the uh, Vietnam draft, where you know they they picked your birthdays out of a hat, and if your birthday came up uh, in the hundreds, you were almost assured to go to Vietnam. And uh, my brother's number came up three hundred and twenty seven. And so uh, he wasn't a very good student, so that was the end of college for him, when he knew he wouldn't have to go to uh, to the Army. And so uh, I, I was really the only uh, the only player after that, that that went on to college and played.
0: Now, you said you grew up on a dairy farm?
1: Yep, in, uh, in central Missouri, uh, until I was in the sixth grade. And then the, in the sixth grade, we moved to Batavia, uh, and... And um, but that that dairy farm experience, uh, you know, there, there's no no tougher job that, that I know of than a dairy farm. Those cows have to be milked twice a day uh, every day, and so uh, you learn a pretty good work ethic, and uh, and and you're not uh, you're not afraid to, to go to work if if that's your background.
0: Now, in your opinion, uh, did Billy Keller milk the cow the right way at that halftime game one time that he did in the ABA? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't know. I never, I never learned how to hand milk a cow. We, we were fortunate that we had, uh, we had the machines. We had the surge milkers. So uh, I, I, I'm not sure, I even though I grew up on a dairy farm, I, I'm not sure I could milk a cow by hand.
0: Uh, Dan, what you know, it, it was a totally different ballgame back then. What was you know, no AAU, and what was the recruiting process like for you? And do you remember your first couple people that were interested?
1: Uh, yeah, um, it, it would it, 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 in those days it would start out receiving a letter. Uh, you would get a letter from a college uh, saying that you know they knew you played basketball and. And most of the time, there was like a one or two page sheet that you filled out, and uh, and and then uh, uh, so that that started uh, my my junior year. I remember the very first uh, letter I got was from the University of uh, of Wisconsin, uh, and I received uh, I received letters from a, probably about a hundred. My dad kept all those letters in a shoebox for years and years and years, but I. I received inquiries from probably about a hundred colleges, and then um, uh, my after my senior year season was over, uh, you know, I, I chose four or five schools that uh, I was most interested in. Made made recruiting trips uh, uh, to those schools and uh, and wound up uh, signing with the University of Kentucky.
0: And, and did did uh, Coach Rupp come and watch you play while you were in high school, or was you know he was like a bigger than life figure at that point in time, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. By by then, uh, Coach Rupp uh, wasn't doing much recruiting. I I think my my senior year in high school, to my knowledge, the only the only high school player that he went uh, and, and actually saw play and recruited in person was Rick Mount. Uh, at Lebanon High School in Indiana, but uh, uh, certainly Met coach up uh, Joe Hall, who would later become the head coach at Kentucky, was the top recruiter then. and uh, but uh, yes, I met Met coach up on my recruiting trip uh, to to Kentucky, but uh, he 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 didn't come to the table to see me play in person.
0: Um. Did so. I. I'm assuming that just the year before you went to Kentucky, you watched the '66 against uh, Texas Western and Kentucky, right?
1: Uh, I. I sure did, and uh, of course, uh, my my best friend to to this day is Louie Dampier, who I I played with. He was a senior at Kentucky uh, when I was a freshman, and uh, of course, uh, he was involved in that Texas Western game uh, along with Pat Riley. Uh, and, um, then I played with Louie, uh, with the colonels for, for a number of years. But, uh, uh yeah, you, if you remember, Kentucky was a huge favorite in that game and everybody thought coach Rupp would win a, another national championship, but Texas Western put it on him that night.
0: And had you already made your decision? Had you already signed, uh, to go to, uh, uh to be a wildcat before that game?
1: no. Okay. No, it was uh, it, it was um, in fact um, <laughs> there there weren't any restrictions on the number of scholarships you could give then and uh, the year ahead of me uh, the, they had a smaller class uh, that uh, wound up shrinking to just one player. Phil Argento was the only scholarship player in the year ahead of me at Kentucky, and so uh, Kentucky signed twelve if you can believe that, 12 uh, players to scholarships that year. I think there were like six, six high school All-Americans and nine first-team All-State players. They had the best player from Kentucky, obviously, uh, the best player from Ohio, the best player from Tennessee, the best player from Alabama. Uh, and uh, I was the last and 12th person to, to sign my uh, my scholarship offer, so uh, it was uh, it was the beginning of summer before I signed to go to Kentucky. Uh,
0: Dan, what would have been the close if you would not have worn a wildcat uniform? What uniform would you have probably worn? Yeah, I
1: uh, I wound up going to Kentucky as kind of a compromise. My folks wanted me to go to Northwestern. Northwestern was only about uh, 45 minutes uh, drive from our house, and of course, uh, a great academic school. And I wanted to go to the University of Wisconsin, and uh, uh, went back and forth. And in those days, they had a conference letter of intent as well as a national letter. So I actually signed a big Ten letter of intent to go to Wisconsin uh, and then, uh, and then changed my mind and, and wound up signing the national letter with, with Kentucky. So if I, if I hadn't gone to UK, it, it probably I probably would have been a, a badger.
0: <laughs> I just can't see that. <laughs>
1: now it it worked out pretty well the way, uh, the way it, did. it happened.
0: Um so you know at, at that point in time freshmen couldn't play were you you nervous when you got on the campus did you feel like you made the right decision and tell us about that freshman year and Yeah, and, and, I, I I
1: I I felt uh Billy, Yes. Uh, that, that last part cut out. I'm sorry.
0: Oh, no, that's okay. You know, how comfortable did you feel once you got to campus? And, you know, that freshman year, you know, you, you don't get to play, but, you know, I, I'm taking that, you know, you played freshman games and stuff like that and, and probably played in front of big crowds. But what was that freshman year like? And in retrospect, do you do you, do you feel that's a wasted year? you feel like you would have been better if you – would you have enjoyed playing four years rather than three?
1: Oh yeah. I would have enjoyed playing four years instead of three, but I, I think, you know, you, you referenced it earlier, no AAU, uh, people played different sports. You didn't play basketball year round. And, and I think, uh, uh, playing on the freshman team, we, we played 18, if I recall, 18, uh, freshman games. And I was really more concerned about the academics than the basketball. I, uh, I, I was I was uh, to put it politely an underachiever academically in high school <laughs> because uh, I, I don't think it was because I was stupid I think it was because I didn't try very hard so um, I, I wanted to make sure I, I succeeded academically and um, you know having a year where you weren't thrown into the varsity right right away I think really helped helped with my development so I. I wound up, uh, enjoying my freshman year, even though I wasn't playing varsity. And what were those games like? <clears throat> well, they were pretty competitive. We played, uh, uh, we, we played other SEC freshman, uh, teams. And uh, as I said, we had a huge roster and some very talented, uh, very talented people on that team. And, uh, if I remember correctly, I think our freshman team was 16 and two. So, um, uh, and, and, and you remember that that was the worst year that coach Rupp had at Kentucky record wise, uh, in his 42 seasons of coaching, the varsity uh, team coming off of that loss to Texas Western was 13 and 13. And so, um, we scrimmaged the fresh, uh, the freshman team scrimmaged that varsity team and, and more than, more than held our own, uh, on most days. And so, uh, that was probably, uh, the, those scrimmages against the varsity, uh, were, were tougher games than we had playing against uh, other freshman teams
0: what was coach rupp like you know you get that uh you get the perception that you know like the movie will show you and you get a, a lot of stuff that you can read but you know what's the reality what was what was coach rupp like as a uh, a basketball coach and as as a human being
1: uh coach rupp was a, a strict disciplinarian uh if you can believe this uh we didn't the players weren't allowed to talk in practice uh, all you heard was the squeak of the uh, of the tennis shoes and the bouncing of the ball and uh, very tough I I tell people you know some some athletes need a a, a pat on the back to uh, to get the best out of them some need a kick in the tail and coach Rupp's philosophy was you know you kick everybody in the tail and if they're not tough enough to take it he, he didn't want them on their on his team anyway but that that kind of discipline, uh, I, I think I flourished under because uh, I, I really uh, wanted to please, wanted to play hard, and uh, and 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 the the best part about it, Billy, was uh, after Coach, Coach Rupp retired at Kentucky, two years after I graduated, and I got to know Coach Rupp. Uh, uh, we had a basketball camp together, and he was associated with the Colonels for a little while, and. And um, if I had only uh, experienced Coach Rupp as a coach, um, you know, I think, I, I mean, I appreciated what he did for me, but I wouldn't feel the same way as I do now, uh, getting to know him. He was a very successful man, a very hard worker, a very driven man, and, uh, and it was a blessing to play under him.
0: And during your years there at Kentucky, I know you said' you're, you're, you're one of your biggest you know things that you missed out on was that you had hoped that you'd have won a national championship. but what was what was the NCAA basketball and SEC basketball like during your playing days at uh, UK?
1: Yeah, um, you know certainly not the exposure uh, uh, that that there is now. Um, I remember the, the, our senior year we played at LSU uh, and of course playing against Pete. Uh, and that was a nationally televised game. And in fact, uh, that game was carried by more local affiliates across the nation than any college game had been up in, until that point. So, uh, there was some, some exposure, but not, not, not like, not like today. And, uh, uh the NCAA tournament, uh, of course, uh, only had 32 teams, uh, and, and you had to win your conference. If you didn't win your conference, uh, you didn't go to the NCAA tournament. And I remember there were a couple of years when, when Kareem was at uh, UCLA that Southern Cal probably had as good a team as, as anybody else in the country. And they didn't even uh, get to go to the NCAA tournament. So, um, you know, certainly not the hype, but, uh, we got to the finals of the regionals uh, twice, uh, but never never made it to the final four.
0: And in one of those uh, years that you got defeated, was that by Jacksonville?
1: Yes, that was my senior year. That was my last uh, my last game. We were uh, we were in the regionals, uh, and and remember that uh, Kareem had uh, had graduated the year before from UCLA, and so everybody thought that. Uh, Finally, somebody else had a chance uh, to win the championship, and uh, and Ars Gilmore and Jacksonville beat us in the finals of the of the regional, and they got to the to the finals against UCLA, and UCLA won the championship again. So <laughs> so uh, uh, they they kind of had the market cornered back in in those days. But yeah, that was that was my last college game, losing to uh, to Jacksonville
0: what was it like or what was the atmosphere like at playing playing your home games at kentucky
1: uh it was crazy it uh you know we we played at memorial coliseum which only held uh 12,500 and uh, uh you know i i knew guys who who uh volunteered to sell cokes uh in the arena just to get in to see the games it was a it was an almost impossible ticket to uh, to get in a in a great atmosphere. I and I I uh, I, I know there are some rabid sports fans. Uh, we have uh, Bronco fans here in in Denver and in Colorado are are uh, crazy for their football team. But there is no fan base, none that uh, is uh, as rabid as the uk basketball fans and so it, it was a great experience playing there i tell people i was blessed to play 15 years of professional basketball but uh my, my four favorite years of my basketball career were the four years at kentucky uh,
0: do you feel like you know speaking of the fans and 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 the, the the love of the wildcats and do you feel like also i you know from from a standpoint that you know uh, uh that i look at Hello? NCAA, you there you there, Billy? Really? Yep. Okay, so I mean, it, you know, from looking at all the NCAA teams, it looks like you guys have a big, you like a one huge family. No matter what year you played at Kentucky, do you do you feel that way?
1: Uh, for sure, for sure. I mean, once. Uh, once you wear the Kentucky uniform, uh, they, they never forget you. I, it's, it's been years and years since I lived in Kentucky, but I can walk down the street in Lexington today and, you know, people will greet me like they saw me yesterday. So, um, a- absolutely. Once, once, once you uh, play to Kentucky, uh, you're, you're a Kentucky wildcat for life.
0: And, and, you know, UK has a lot of detractors, has a lot of haters, too. And I, I would imagine, you know, from, from studying up on you and, and doing what I've been doing for the past four years is that, you know, there's probably some jealousy involved in all that. There, 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 you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I, I I think you're exactly right. You know, I, I don't particularly like this uh, one and done. Uh, I think that... Um, uh you know, as I said, college playing basketball in college is great. I'd love to see every young man uh, get to experience that. But I understand the financial situations uh, that a lot of these players are in. And so, uh, you know, Coach Cal is just playing by the, by the rules. But, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're right. When you, uh, when you have a successful program for years and years like Kentucky's had, there is going to be some jealousy.
0: Uh, did you have a favorite place to go and play in the sec where you felt like, you know, you just, you know, the, 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 the basket was just a, you know, the ocean.
1: <laughs> well, I, I had a few nights like that. I, uh, I, I remember a, a game that I had my senior year uh, at Ole Miss, uh, that I, uh, I set the, uh, the school, uh, individual game and career scoring record. And, uh, uh, the, the the hoop looked pretty good pretty big
0: that night and and when you would travel to your uh, opponents in the SEC where uh, did you i mean were they were their fan base was probably pretty rough on you guys
1: yeah for for sure and uh, some of those uh, SEC schools still had very small gyms that only held uh, five or 6,000 and uh, of course uh, you know everybody that was that was everybody's uh, super bowl when uh, when the Kentucky basketball team came to town and uh, uh, you know even places where nobody would show up uh, for for a regular season game when when Kentucky visited uh, the stands were always packed so uh, you know but that was that was fun that was a that was a challenge you uh, I I always enjoyed having that target on my back and uh, and when we beat them it was even better
0: was there any way did you you know uh you know playing basketball both in college and of course in pro you have like a, a a public persona or you know you have to you have to be a little outgoing did you have to pump yourself up for college and pro games or or what did pump you up or were you just ready to go when that the ball went up in the air for tip off
1: yeah i was mostly i was mostly ready to go i mean uh, you know, some some nights were good, and uh, and some some nights weren't so good. But uh, I I I think I always gave an effort. I I don't remember uh, uh, taking any games off. Um, and uh, and so you know, it wasn't uh, just. It was the thrill of the competition. Uh, you know, uh, getting the chance to go out and and beat uh, and beat the other team. Uh, that was what really uh, what really drove you uh, if you were a competitive player.
0: I mean, I know you got the nickname Horse because you only missed twenty four games in your professional basketball career. Did you miss any games at Kentucky?
1: Uh, no, no, I didn't uh, <clears throat> didn't miss any at Kentucky, and uh, uh, d- don't remember missing any in in high school either. But uh, you know, I I was fortunate that I. Uh, I I I tell people, Billy, I didn't run fast enough or jump high enough to get hurt. So, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, one of one one of the records I'm most proud of is that in in 15 years of uh, of professional basketball, I only missed 24 games and and, and never missed consecutive games. So, um, I'm pretty proud of that record.
0: Um, so you're you're getting toward the end of your senior year. Do you do you have an idea or clue what's getting ready to happen to you uh, professional basketball wise? And and how and take us through that journey of of, of getting to the Kentucky Colonels.
1: Yeah. Um. Uh.
0: You know, we we certainly
1: checked with uh, with NBA teams that uh, that had some of the higher picks, and uh, I was actually drafted by the Dallas Chaparrals in the ABA. Uh, a team that uh, would eventually become the San Antonio Spurs, and um, you know, when they contacted me, I told them I, I had no interest in playing for for Dallas. If I was going to go to the ABA, the only team I would consider was Kentucky. And uh, miraculously, about a week later, the Colonels made a deal for for my uh, my draft rights, and uh, uh, and, and once once the colonels had my draft rights, they were always a pretty solid franchise had good ownership and good backing. And, and as I said, my dear friend, Louis Dampier was there. And, and when we saw that the money was going to be, you know, pretty much the same, I made the decision to sign with the colonels before the uh, NBA even had their draft. So, uh, and, and, you know, I had, uh, I had married a, a, a Lexington girl and uh, and had fallen in love with the state, and so going down the road to Louisville and playing with the Colonels was really just an extension of my college career.
0: And also, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, weren't the, the Colonels one of the few ABA teams that didn't move or didn't change their name during the yeah, whole, during yeah, the whole the, ABA?
1: Yeah, yeah, the the uh, the uh, Colonels and the Pacers were were the two most solid franchises in the, in the, uh, ABA. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was always disappointed that, uh, the colonels weren't one of the teams, uh, to go into the NBA at at the time of the merger. But of course, uh, you know, that was a, a very, uh, tough financial, uh, Decision to be made. And so, um, I, you know, I can understand why John Y. Brown, the owner of the Colonels, decided not to go. But, uh, you know, that team that we had in Kentucky with uh, Louis Dampier and Artis Gilmore that won the ABA championship in 1975, I'd, I'd put that team up against anybody. Uh, we were coached by Hubie Brown. And so that's uh, four Hall of Famers uh, on the same team at the same time. I don't know how many. How, how many professional teams can, can claim that.
0: And I think Hubie Brown will probably outlive us all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hubie is a, Hubie is a great guy. I really enjoy listening to him on the, on the television. And, uh, and what I really enjoy is when, when he holds his hands up and I see that, uh, ABA championship ring on his finger to this to this day.
0: You know, I, I like to get an Indiana plug here and there because most of my work uh, uh, I've spread out a little bit, but most of my work is from you know from high school basketball, high school, college, and professional basketball from the state of Indiana. But uh, can you tell us a little? And so, uh, of course, I'm talking about Louis Dampier. Can you tell us a little bit about Louis? Uh, Louis
1: is the most humble. Um, man that that i know uh louis will will never speak in in person in fact i thought he was going to have a heart attack the night that he had to uh give his hall of fame induction speech but uh, uh he doesn't enjoy doing interviews he's uh he's almost a a, a recluse but uh but he is uh, uh probably the best shooter uh of the basketball that 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 I've ever seen. I mean, he uh if they had had a three-point line when he was at Kentucky, he'd be the all-time leading scorer there. And uh he he's a, a great guy, but the the most uh unassuming man you ever met.
0: Now I'm assum now I'm understanding why he never returns my phone calls. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> He doesn't return anybody's phone calls. I found out and I I, I, I can't reveal how, but I found out about two weeks before they announced it, that Louie had been elected to the hall of fame. And, uh, I, I talked it over with Sherry, my wife. And I said, should I let him know so that he's, he, 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 he uh, he's prepared for it or should I let him, let it be a surprise. And so I didn't tell him. Well, he he would not answer the phone from the Hall of Fame because he didn't recognize the number <laughs> on his caller ID. And so they when when they they finally had to announce it and they had ne- they hadn't contacted Louie uh, because louis wouldn't answer the phone to let him know and Louie found out when his son called him and t- and said, "Dad, I just heard you've been elected to the Hall of Fame, so don't feel bad, Billy. He doesn't answer the phone for too many people, that's for sure.
0: Dan, what was it like when once you you know you took that court for the first practice in the ABA? Was it was your head kind of spinning? How different was it from you know uh, you know four years at Kentucky, Adolph Rupp? Did did you think uh, this is going to work out? How how did that? What was your mindset during that process?
1: Well, I'll tell you the very first uh, the very first preseason game uh, that we had, we we made a trip uh, here to Colorado, and we played uh, the Denver Rockets. At that point, they hadn't changed their name yet to the Nuggets. We played them in a, an exhibition game in Pueblo, and uh, the the Rockets had a pretty good player by the name of Spencer Haywood. And I think Spencer, that in that exhibition game, uh, gave me about 32 points and about 20 rebounds. And all the way back, which is about a two and a half hour bus ride, all the way back to Denver after that game, I was sitting in that bus thinking, "Man, what have I what, what have I done here?" I I wasn't too after that first exhibition game. I wasn't too uh, too thrilled about my performance and, uh, and didn't know if I would be able to, to, uh, be successful in professional basketball or not.
0: Now, during that first couple of years, of course, I think your first year you were uh, rookie of the year, but tied with, uh, I think Charlie Scott of the Squires. Right. Um, and did you, did, as the season progressed that rookie year, did you, did you feel like you'd made the right decision to go with the ABA?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We, uh, we that that first year we were uh, uh, coached by Frank Ramsey, uh, who uh, of course is a UK alum and and made the sixth man uh, famous when he played for the Boston Celtics and and Frank's whole philosophy was building to the playoffs and uh, even though our regular season record that year was uh, was just forty four and forty. Uh, we got to the seventh game of the, of the ABA championship, uh, and, and lost to, uh, the Utah stars. And, uh, um, you know, as, as the season went along, I got more and more comfortable and, uh, uh and, and was, was confident that I had made the right decision in signing with the colonels.
0: Uh, were you guys, uh, um, I mean, once again, this is another perception in reality, um, uh, was there some anger management issues in the ABA with you guys? <laughs> well,
1: well, it was, uh,
0: it, it was kind of like hockey. Uh, you
1: know, the, the the you didn't have a real good ABA uh, basketball game unless you had a fight or two during the, uh, uh, d- during the course of the game. So uh, yeah, it, it would get pretty physical and uh, you know, guys weren't making much money and they were, fighting for a job and and so that uh, that manifested itself in uh, in some physical play at, at some time but <clears throat> yeah there were there were quite a few uh tussles should we say uh, in the aba uh
0: was your favorite season in the aba of course in 1975 championship season
1: absolutely you know I, as i said that that team with artists and louis and uh and, and the rest of the players, I, I think we we had uh, as, as good a team as there was in, in professional basketball for for two or three years there, and only one one ABA championship. And of course, um, uh, the the road to the ABA championship ran through Indianapolis the in most most years. But uh, we we finally beat the Pacers uh, in that championship series in 1975, and it. Uh, it, it was a great season. It was, uh, you know, that's that's still in the game of basketball. That's my my biggest accomplishment is uh, is winning that winning that championship.
0: And did, was there? Did you have a favorite place to go, or did you think that any one of those ABA teams, like the Pacers, was there one particular team that really had a a, a a really strong following and had very knowledgeable fans? Would you say it was the Pacers?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. That was uh that was a great rivalry. And, and then, you know, as the APA dwindled down, uh, eventually to only seven teams, you know, it seemed like we were playing the P the Pacers every other week and we would take a bus to Indianapolis or they'd, they'd come to Louisville. But, uh, yeah, that was a great rivalry uh, because we always had uh, both teams always had pretty good, uh, pretty good basketball teams and, and pretty good coaches. And, uh, and outstanding fan base
0: you know in both the aba and the nba who did you like oh my gosh i gotta go up against so-and-so i'm gonna have to get pumped up i'm gonna have a few bruises on my body by the end of the game
1: yeah well there were there were several of them uh uh you know playing the playing the pacers uh you know it was it was Neto, or it was uh george mcginnis um, you know, as I said, it, all, all of the teams were, were pretty physical. And so, um, you know, just about every, every night out, uh, you, 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 had to protect yourself. You, uh, you knew if you drove to the basket, they, the sea wasn't going to part. Somebody, <laughs> somebody was going to be there trying to knock you on your tail.
0: You know, when they took the four teams in and did the merger, was that kind of a was that kind of a nervous time period for you, or did you, or did you know that you were going to find work? Uh,
1: well, I, I was uh, I was traded after that championship season. Uh, I was traded, uh, actually sold, uh, and, and wound up in Denver. So the last year of the ABA, as the league kind of started to come apart. Um, I I was already here with the Nuggets, and uh, Carl Shear, who had worked in the NBA front office for a while, was the president and general manager of the Nuggets. We had solid ownership, and uh, it was was pretty well uh, recognized that if anybody – uh, went to the uh, NBA we didn't know who was going to go but if anybody went to the NBA the Denver Nuggets would be one of those teams so uh, I didn't worry much about it I knew even if the even if the ABA completely folded there would be a dispersal draft and uh, you know there would be an opportunity to go someplace in the NBA so um, you know you, you thought about it but uh, I wasn't that concerned about it.
0: So you've worn all kinds of jerseys, but you never actually put on a Baltimore Claw jersey, right?
1: No, no, uh, that experience, as I said, I was sold. Uh, we had won the ABA championship, and our owner John White Brown had still lost money, and so uh, he decided in, uh, to recoup some of it. He was going to uh, uh, was going to sell one of us, me or Louie or Artis, and so I was the one who was chosen and. And went to the uh, uh, Baltimore claws, and uh, um, you know they, the, the the ABA was just trying to keep franchises alive. That that franchise had actually been in Memphis the year before, and uh, I was in Baltimore for ten days, and then uh, uh, they never paid uh, the Colonels for me, and so after ten days, another deal was struck to uh, to get me to Denver. Uh, but, uh, one of my favorite stories is after that whole experience, uh, my attorney kind of made a, a montage with, uh, different memorabilia on it. And, uh, he, he had, he had written a letter to the editor of the Baltimore sun asking for a picture of me in a, in a Claus uniform. And he got back a marvelous response. The editor said, uh, uh, to his knowledge, no such picture was ever taken. <laughs> he said, "In fact, trying 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 to locate anybody associated with the Baltimore claws is like trying to find last evening's thunderstorm," which I thought <laughs> I thought was a was a great a great line. But uh, I, I think the claws did play, did wind up playing like three exhibition games, and and then folded. But by then, I was. Uh, Well on my way to Denver.
0: You know, uh, a lot of you guys, you know, uh, of course, the four teams that merged and and a lot of other players that went on to play in the NBA and have outstanding careers like yourself um, uh, is fantastic and good for you guys. But uh, do you feel like some of the ABA players now, you know, uh, uh, we're kind of the NBA's kind of dropped the ball with some of the ABA players because because you guys actually changed the game
1: well you know we feel like we did in in those days the nba was kind of a walk the ball up the court and and try to jam it inside to the big guys and uh, you know the aba with the three-point line and the red white and blue basketball and uh, not, not a lot of great big men but a lot of outstanding shooters uh, in that league um we we did change the game and of course uh, uh, after the merger, uh, after a year or two, when the ABA felt like everybody had forgotten the three-point line came from the ABA, they had, they adopted it, and the and the game the game did change to a, a more wide open and I think entertaining uh, style of basketball. The, the the one thing that uh, that should have been done in the merger that wasn't and of course those four teams were just so anxious to get into the uh, NBA they were willing to agree to just about anything but uh you know the the, the one thing that th- those ABA players should have gotten credit for their ABA years um as far as uh, benefits and uh, at retirement pay Uh, is concerned and uh, you know it's just been recently when uh, some really nice people have uh, have started to uh, to get some benefits for the the old ABA players because like I said uh, you know we weren't we weren't making that much money and uh, and and there's a a lot of former ABA players that that could uh, use the help right now.
0: And uh, a lot of that you can go to. Actually, I think you do some work for these guys, some public appearances and stuff like that for DroppingDimes.org. People can go there and donate for that, right?
1: Yeah, and uh, and uh, you know they uh, there's been a number of uh, of ABA players that are uh, on the board and uh, and, uh, and and it's doing uh, Dropping Dimes is doing great work. We've uh, we've helped out a couple of former. Colonels and uh, and uh, I know of <clears throat> people uh, that that play that uh, have, have gotten some benefit and uh, and some retirement pay. Uh, so um, yeah, we're we're doing the, uh, trying to do as, as much as we can but we could we could always use more help.
0: I know they do a really good job at dropping and um, um, Scott Tarter and the gang there. I, I you know. And and you a, a lot of the guys that were in the ABA, of course, you went on to the NBA, you know, uh, are proud are proud proud players and don't want a handout, but you know, they need to be taken care of in my opinion.
1: Absolutely. And and you're right. Scott uh, Scott Tarter uh, donates all of his time. He's an attorney in Indianapolis who uh, who grew up as a kid watching the Pacers and, uh, and being a huge Pacer fan. And, uh, but it's just not the Pacers and the colonels. Uh, you know, if we, if we can find anybody who, uh, who played in the ABA and can use some help, uh, Scott and, and dropping dimes steps up,
0: you know, uh, I, I think I've learned a lot from uh, Greg Popovich and Bobby Knight and, and their uh, attitudes toward the media. And, and, you know, if you, you get one dumb question and, and I'm going to ask you one dumb question, uh, when did the front two teeth move?
1: <laughs> well, it, there's actually three of them. Okay. And, uh, it, that happened in the eighth grade. Uh, I, uh, I I was, the first day of gym class, somebody had waxed in the, uh, during the summer, they had waxed the gym floor, and the first day of eighth grade, I was in gym class running laps, and I slipped in the corner and fell, and the first thing that hit the floor were my three front teeth, and, uh, you know, I I had... uh, I, I, I had Dennis say, you know, we can replace them, but you know, if you're playing basketball, they'll probably just get knocked out again. So <laughs> i i played uh, I played without my my three front teeth. Uh, I think some people thought, you know, I, I went through my entire life with <laughs> with my front teeth missing. I actually actually had a plate that I that I wore off of the court, but uh, um, uh, you know, it, it never seemed to bother me. And I, I've got to tell you a funny story, Billy. My my 7-year-old grandson just lost his two front teeth and my son took a picture of him smiling and holding a picture of me uh, smiling in a basketball uniform with with no front teeth. So <laughs> I I thought that was pretty cool.
0: That's awesome. I'm glad I didn't get hung up on two. So that was that was a good question. I'm going to put that in my feather in my cap on that one. <laughs> so so you know you're getting toward the yeah you, know, you have a, an outstanding career i mean yeah i mean you're in the basketball hall of fame you have an outstanding career at what point did you think wow man and, and what goes through a player's mind when it's like you know it's 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 time to hang up the sneakers what happens for you to start even thinking about it's time to hang up the sneakers
1: yeah i i think um, uh what happened was the, the the last year i was in the Last year, of my deal, and um, and physically, I probably could have played another year or two, but it was the mental grind that that finally uh, started to get to me. I can remember times that last year when I would be driving to the arena, you know, thinking, well, you know, what are you doing? Do you really want to do this again? And so, um, you know, I didn't I didn't want to play if if my if i wasn't totally committed to it and my heart wasn't in it uh, i i didn't you know and and i lost that competitive spirit a little bit i didn't want to be involved in the game anymore and so uh you know that's when that's when i decided that uh, 15 years of professional basketball was enough
0: you know, there's, you know, both in the ABA and the NBA, you know, we talk about, you know, especially in the ABA, we talk about, you know, the anger management issues and so on and so forth. But I'm assuming that you created some great relationships. And, and do a lot of you guys have a great sense of humor? Oh,
1: yeah, for, for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I, I go back. Uh, I, I, I have a closer relationship. It's funny, uh, even though it's farther back. I, I have a closer relationship with my ABA uh, teammates and friends. And, uh, you know, we, we most of us go back for the uh, Hall of Fame induction uh, every year and and run into each other at uh, a golf tournament uh, from time to time. And so, you know, I still see Louie and Artis two or three times a year. And, uh, um, and you know, we – tell lies about how good we were, and uh, when when we go back to the Hall of Fame, you know, we see Julius and uh, David Thompson, and uh, so it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun to get together, and uh, uh, you know, we forget about all the bad times and only remember the great times.
0: Dan, what, how did you keep your feet on the ground, especially, you know, going to Kentucky, being there and then, going, and then your, your career in the ABA and the NBA? How difficult it, because, you know, you, you see it happen to NBA players today, left and right, that they, they get in some kind of trouble. So how difficult was it and, and what was kind of your focus in, in, in maintaining um, uh, the career that you had?
1: uh i I think Billy it goes back to my uh my Christian background my christian beliefs uh there's a uh, there's a verse in the bible that says uh, uh he who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted and so i I never got too carried away with myself or with with my accomplishments uh uh, you know, because um, I, I, I knew that could turn around at, at, at any minute, and so that, that's uh, that, that's how I how I dealt with that situation. Um,
0: uh, do you think another number eight seed will beat another number one seed in the NBA playoffs? Yeah, yeah, I
1: think it could happen. I think it'll be. Uh, It'll be tougher now that it's a seven-game series uh, as opposed to a uh, uh, to a five-game series when we did it. Um, I, I think it could happen. Um, you know, Chicago with a break here or there could have beaten uh, Boston this year. So uh, it, it's not easy, and, and it's not going to happen a lot, but it'll probably happen again.
0: Uh, What do you think of the state of college basketball and the state of the NBA today?
1: Um, I, I, it's a little too individual for me. Uh, You know, the game of basketball was meant to be a team sport, and uh, you know, I think that uh, a couple of things uh, with the AAU situation. These young men have people around them telling them how great they are from the time they're eleven and twelve years old, and and I think the NBA has has made a uh, a decision to rather than promote teams to promote individuals, and so the the game has gotten to be uh, a lot more in, individual uh, focused than team focused, and and so you know I I don't particularly enjoy that. But uh, I, I, I do enjoy watching it because these kids today are so physically talented. Uh, I mean, it's unbelievable uh, the, the things they can do, the way they can run and jump. Um, not very many of them can shoot anymore. But, uh, I, you know, I, I think that their physical abilities are off the charts.
0: You know, you said that you, one of your favorite times and one of your most important times was winning that ABA championship in 75, but yeah, tell us a little bit, when did you get that phone call that you were going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, and, and what did that mean to you, and, and did you kind of look back after you got that call, or what was your thought process?
1: Yeah, uh, funny story. I, uh, I, I was not elected my first year. My first year of eligibility, I wasn't elected. My second year of eligibility, uh, there were a couple of pretty good players who were eligible for the first time. One was Doc, Doctor J, and the other one was Bill Walton. And so I get a call from uh, from uh, the uh, Clippers, and they said, "Now we're we're going to be in town. We've got a game with the Nuggets." And I, I was at that time doing the uh, the color. Uh, on the TV games uh, for the Nuggets. And uh, and they said, uh, Bill Walton is going to, who was the color man for the Clippers, he said, Bill's going to go to New York for the uh, Hall of Fame announcement. And would you be interested in doing the, the game um, for the Clipper station? And so I said, sure. I was disappointed because, you know, I, again, I hadn't been elected to the Hall of Fame because Walton was going to the announcement and i hadn't heard anything from anybody so i did the clipper game and the next morning i was uh, at home and the phone rang and they said uh, it was the hall of fame and they were happy to announce that i had been elected and you know i i i was completely caught off guard and i said well you know thank you that's terrific i appreciate that i said can i ask you one question I said, how did Bill Walton know that he was going to be elected to the Hall of Fame, but you're just telling me now? And they said, oh, we didn't tell Walton he was elected. He just assumed he was elected and came to the announcement. <laughs> <laughs> but, so so, uh, so I was uh, I was certainly prepared that I hadn't been elected, uh, but that was... Uh, that was a great class uh, 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 to the Hall of Fame, and the thing I'm I'm really proud of is that uh, Julius and I that year, 1993, Julius and I were the uh, first players elected to the Hall of Fame who had uh, began our careers in the ABA. So. Um, that that was uh, that was a particularly happy moment i i
0: would have i would have said that i was brought up with manners but the first time that i met dr j was in 1983 at indiana pacer 76ers game and and i remember asking him for his autograph but he was talking to another player and i just remember him looking at me and going uh look young man you need to have some manners wait till i'm done talking and i'll give you an autograph what was dr j like j is the best
1: he is he is terrific he was uh I don't think the NBA uh, fans really saw Doc at his best. I mean, uh, they saw a great player when he got to Philadelphia, but the things that he did <clears throat> the first two or three years he was in the ABA were just uh, just off off of the charts. And uh, as great a player as he was, he's even a better, a better human being. I, 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 uh, my kids, uh, I have two children, a, a boy and a girl, and in 1993, we have a, we got a picture taken of Doc and I and my two children and both of my children to this day have that picture uh, displayed in their homes. And uh, I mean, they were he's just a terrific, terrific man. Uh,
0: Dan, what's life after basketball?
1: Uh, Well, right now, we uh, we spend most of our weekends going to, we have five grandchildren, uh, 14 down to two, so we spend our weekends uh, uh, at baseball games and soccer games and volleyball games. Uh, During the week, uh, I work uh, and and part owner of a company that uh, disposes water uh, from oil and gas wells, and so um, still Still staying busy, but uh, uh, mostly enjoying my family. And uh, go to a Nuggets game from time to time, mostly when my grandkids want to go see somebody uh, play. <laughs> but uh, uh, life is good.
0: Uh, will you be attending the 50th uh, anniversary of the ABA?
1: Uh, it, it It's going to be a great celebration. Uh I know that same uh, dropping dimes organization is working on it, Scott Tarter, and and those people. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be a great celebration of the ABA.
0: Uh, Dan Issel, you don't know how excited I was to chat with you. I, I hope I uh, asked some pretty good questions. But uh, I thank you so much for your time. We ran a little bit long, but uh, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm sure everyone is going to enjoy
1: it. Uh, it was a pleasure. I. Always love uh, talking about the game and uh, enjoy talking with you, Billy. Thank you very much.